I get crap from people all the time, all the time, people who are so upset with me or angry with me for what they call both sidesism. Um, you know, one of the most laughable comments that I seem to find popping up on my social media almost weekly has something in it that's how disgusting it is that I'm a Republican, um, even though I'm gay. And I think, <laughs> I mean, that's sort of laughable. I'm not. Um, and if you've ever listened to this show or heard me speak for more than two minutes, it's pretty clear um, that I am a strong progressive and I almost always vote Democrat because I agree with the Democrat Party on almost all issues. What I don't do, though, that I think a lot of people want me to do is I don't hate Republicans. I don't hate them. I disagree with them. I disagree with them on about 90% of things, but I don't hate them. Sorry. Um, if we want progress, if we want solutions, if we want to win, then we've got to be willing to not just talk to, but also listen to the people who we disagree with. And that's what this show has always been about. I'm Clay Aiken, and if you don't want to hear a loyal liberal and a staunch Republican get along, then turn off your speakers. Because this week, Politicon is welcoming a longtime friend of Politicon um, and a very strong conservative commentator, Scotty Nell Hughes. Scotty's the host of News Views Hughes. It's a daily afternoon program on RT America. And I'm going to ask her how she feels about the current divisions in the Republican Party. I'm going to ask her, will Republicans ever shed the skin of Donald Trump? And I'm going to ask her about how blatant hypocrisy of politicians and political parties, both of them, sorry, continues to go unchecked. And I'll ask her, how the heck are we going to get along? Well, Clay, you and I go back years. I think we're yes. on our deck. We get to celebrate a decade, I think, next we year. Probably, so. I, d I think you're probably right. Yes. <laughs> so I will do I will do whatever I can. To I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Now, how often do you get to be at home when you're uh, uh, from work? Or do you... Hmm. Not very much. So I am under COVID. We've been every other week, D.C., Nashville, D.C., Nashville. Um, but starting July 6th, I'm full time back in D.C., except on weekends, which kind of sucks. Oh, so what was the, the alternating was just to keep the studio half full? Is that what the purpose was? Right. Two different teams. Um, and so and I think CNN did a lot of them did that same thing where they put they had two different teams. And so then if one team went down with a positive test, it wouldn't take everybody off air. So we've been oh, divided up to the last year where A and B. So it's been but it's you've been got like a full studio set up in your house, right? I do, but it's not as good as, you know, the quality is just not as good as having the lines right there. And when people actually pay, uh, they like to see the people in person. So virtual can only go so far. So fair enough. I, you know, Are you vaccinated? You know, this is a lot more comfortable. So did you get vaccinated? Absolutely. 100%. I travel too much to take care of my parents. Yeah. No, there wasn't going to be a choice for me, um, an option for me. So I'm sure you did too, correct? I did. I did. I waited yeah. until I waited a while. I let the family get all done first. But I was, I get, you know, they had that whole media personalities were in the, in the, in the essential group. And I thought that's the first time I've ever been called essential in my life. <laughs> um, I didn't take advantage of it because I didn't think I was essential. But then once the whole family got vaxxed, I decided to do it too. There's a bunch of folks who still won't though. 
there's a large bunch and there's a lot, a lot of hesitancy. I understand it. I respect it. Um, I think I, I'm my body, my choice. Um, I do believe in personal preference. Like my kids, you know, they came out yesterday that there is a, the CDC actually released out a warning that the teenagers they're finding myocardia is developing in them. And there, it's enough to study and put out a warning. My thing is, I don't think we've looked at the different demographics for my parents who are older and high risk. Absolutely. I think it, it's very well for them. But like my husband has glaucoma. We're not getting him vaccinated until we see some studies specific to how that impacts the eyes and the impacts on the pressures. Uh, and I think, you know, everybody has to make the decision for what's best for their family. But my husband also doesn't travel. He stays at home in our little town, doesn't hardly go anywhere. I'm back and forth on an airplane every week exposed to lots of people. So it made sense for me. Um, I won't be getting my teenagers vaccinated until definitely we get some more about this heart condition that's developing in young people who get the vaccine. Those sorts of things, are the, I can see why there's hesitancy. And I don't, I don't hate for it. Um, I hope in the end we figure out what it is. I mean, I, I, listen, if there's a medical reason, obviously, I think I saw something uh, very briefly about the heart thing in, in teenagers. But people were also sort of being... I don't know if skeptical is even the political. word. People were being resistant about it for political reasons, too, for a while. I mean, thoughts there? Uh, and it's mainly going to be your Republicans, your conservatives, that are, even though you had Trump getting vaccinated, others getting vaccinated, Bill Gates, the conspiracy theory, the, you know, that they were implanting, you know, metal pieces into you with it. Um, it's kind of how I feel about when people are like, oh, the government's spying on you. Okay, good luck. I mean, if, if they want you that bad, they're going to find a way to get you. So, right. And they'll why, find out why? how boring I am. Exactly. <laughs> and the same you thing ain't with the got vaccine. nothing to If you, you want to track me, it's not hard. Just go to my Facebook page you'll, or TikTok. You'll know where I'm at at all times. Right. So Isn't that insane that we, I mean, we give so much information and access away to these companies like Facebook and Twitter. And I mean, you sign it away when you sign up to their website. And yet we do it somewhat willingly, right? And there's not been very much regulation of those big media companies yet. Should there yet. be more? Um, actually, I think we're seeing, you know, what happened, here's what's been the hardest thing to watch, Clay, and this has been over the past year, are people that kind of started off last year being conspiracy theories, and I'll be the first to say, uh, you knew what was going on, what we were seeing in other countries was bad, and we saw it back in January, I, I did my first story on COVID, um, it was January 19th, talking about, guys, there's something going on in China you need to be watching. I did a full out special the first week of February going, this is bad. We need to shut down. We need to shut down our travel. You know, if you, if you watch international news, which I get the chance to, I get the, the lucky of that's my daily routine. You could tell something was going to be bad. What I didn't like was the reaction to it. I think we could have handled this as adults a lot more responsible. And instead of shutting down everything immediately, without knowing and scaring people using fear to shut down, let's use facts and truth. So this idea now that you're looking at a year ago that where it came from, we needed to find out where COVID came from immediately, not just to, to throw you know political targets at each other and to put on sanctions. That wasn't it because if we found the source, then we could find the solution. And so a year ago when we were talking about, okay, did this come from a lab? Did it come from a bat? Did it come from a wet market? We should have put a lot more emphasis on it back then instead of shutting it down 
we should have encouraged that. So then we could have said, maybe we could have gotten to this vaccine sooner. Maybe we could have figured out who was at more at risk. Now we know that schools were a very low risk. Now we know, I mean, think about it, Clay. A year ago, people were wiping down their groceries. My, my parents were wiping down their groceries with Clorox and having them sit in the garage for, for five days before they could eat. I know, some people, no who I, I know <laughs> some people who may be listening right now who wiped their groceries down with Clorox wipes. And I thought, what? Um, so, but, they, listen, but they were smart. They were smart. They were, I, I, don't, I don't hate them for them doing it because that's what they were being told they should do if they were at high risk. That, I don't like a society that lives in fear. I don't think that's production. I always have uh, my red flags go up that somebody has an ulterior agenda when you're living in a society by fear. Nothing that was done. And the reversal was they weren't looking at mental health, which is where I live as I my second job and my first job really is as a mom of teenagers. And I was watching the effects this was having on our teenagers starting probably back in June because they weren't seeing COVID affect them, especially in the majority of America. They weren't seeing, if you weren't in New York or LA, you weren't necessarily being affected of it, but your entire life came to a halt and everything that you had worked hard for was taken away from you with no excuse, with no real reason except, oh, there's a virus. And that, and honestly, here in America, I put 100% of it on Donald Trump and the people that he's surrounded by. And Clay, you and I have talked. Really? I am, you know, I'm, I'm known really? as a, absolutely. I think this was mismanaged, mishandled, and this could have been handled. This could have been handled so much better where the fear was not the, the priority. Where the fear was this the is fascinating truth. to me because you're right. We don't often agree. And actually, we aren't going to agree now. But it's, as a matter of fact, we might not agree in a way that I never saw coming. Because while I agree that, yes, it was mismanaged, I do personally think that, I mean, just my f- feeling is that a lot of the blame may lie on the media and their interest in ratings and getting people to tune in and stay tuned in. I mean, I, I agree that the mismanagement and the, uh, the um, difficulty that people had in trusting the administration and knowing whether what the administration was telling them was accurate was a part of it. But in, the, in that vacuum of information, right, that was given, the vacuum that Trump's administration left, who filled it in? It was filled in by, you know, folks who probably weren't that scientifically motivated themselves. And so they said, stay at home, Clorox bleach your bananas, and and that's how we stay safe. And I think that, I mean, there is hypocrisy everywhere, don't you think? It's not just on your side or mine. We Both the sides have a healthy dose of it going on. Uh, this is where it was non-political. Both sides now did it eventually become used as a political weapon. Absolutely, but Clay, you know, I think of last May, and I was looking around my neighborhoods, and the world was at a shutdown. It was a stop. But I was thinking of my own, and, and like I said, you got to take there's different. You did have L.A. or New York and L.A. and Miami, Chicago. You had the metro, but then you have the rest of America. There is a different type of life in the rest of America, and I was looking around, going, it's not popping up here. And my kid would get a call. My poor children have been tested for COVID so many times. And because every time one of them sneezed, coughed, um, everything, they would get a test. Always negative. I was negative. My husband was negative. We were always negative. um, But we were so scared of, could we give this to my parents? Could we give this to my in-laws? And I have medical professionals in my family. And they were looking at me like I was nuts. Because if you look at what COVID actually is, it's a cold, but it's a version of a cold that can be, become deadly. 
But COVID is still technically a cold, um, hence why it's on the back of all the Clorox bottles. But this was a twisted version of it that became very deadly within the right, with it, if it found the right or the wrong host parent, however you want to look at it. So you look at a year ago and I'm going, it's not in these, low, we should not be taking away this from kids. Now, what was funny in July, it started popping up in my neighborhood. And it started the neighbor next door and then down the street. And I'm going, okay, it's time to really start, you know, not, not take this, you know, not take this serious, but it was like, okay, now we need some differences. And yet at that point, people were starting to get back out because it had been four months. I'm going, okay, how do we do this? But, but the reality of it was my favorite story of COVID was I have eight girls over at my house one night and, and all their parents were nurses and teachers. And by July of these kids sitting by themselves day after day after day, I had to do something, Clay. So I would invite them into my home, which I knew because I was getting COVID tested every week at that point, it was a safe home. None of them had had COVID. It hadn't been in their families. Um, and, and we were doing daily some form of school, daily something to get them mentally because their mental health was depreciating so quickly. We already suffered two suicides at that point within my own community of young people who both of them, their parents said they had become so isolated and the online bullying had stepped up because that was the only way they could interact. And I'm freaking out more about youth suicide than I am about COVID. And one girl, the mom called me the next day and she said, Scotty, I hate to tell you this, Mia's tested positive for COVID. I'm like, well, here we go. It's in my house now. Let's handle it. And I went and got tested. We waited the three to five days. Um, actually, I think that one we did five days. And then I got everybody around me tested. All the girls that I know that they had all at some point shared popcorn, none of them tested positive. And I went, if I literally know that germ was in my house and it did not test, something is not right here. Something is not, we're not figuring out the right people who are susceptible to it and the right people are who are not. And it, it's those sorts of questions. Yeah, that like every, that's, kind of, that's kind of like every cold too, because you can have people in your house who get a cold and you don't catch it still, or you can catch it and have no idea who you got it from. I mean, I, I will say, I think I, I'll let anyone who wants to take some, maybe a little too early, but a, a premature victory lap over the, um, you know, the origination of the, of the virus issue, um, you know, if it does turn out um, to be that that this did originate in a lab in Wuhan, as has had been speculated um, as much as a year ago, and is now becoming a little bit more universally accepted amongst the intelligence folks and Dr. Fauci, um, then yeah, what do Democrats need to say at that point? From well, your because here's the thing. Or those, who, or those not, who, who shut that down. Well, and I don't think it's, but here's the problem we're going to find with this, Clay. It's not going to be just on China's fault. As we're finding, there were strong U.S. ties into that firm. There were strong investments by U.S. taxpayer dollars into that firm. And so right now, I'm right, but if it is, it, but from, if it is true that that's where it came from, that it did originate in a lab and it was man-made and it was it, it got out. Um, I'm I'm basing this on the Wall Street Journal story. I know you know that, right. but um, for those who are listening, if if it did originate there, what can or should those progressives and and hell any party who said no this didn't come from china stop with that type of fear mongering um who were saying that last year what should they say or can they say to um make up for what potentially might have been ignoring a uh, a, a real cause well here's my question for you clay and it, it goes along with that same question you're asking 
it, it's as much as where it came from, but why? Why was this even developed? Why was it being developed in the first place? And who was involved in that investment? That's the real question I want to ask. Like I said, well, I think you're some going folks to find will say. Some folks will say, and I think Dr. Fauci has even admitted himself, that there have been programs in place that were to create viruses so that we'd know how to combat them. Um, I mean, I understand the question. I understand the why question, and I can't answer it, but I, I am more willing to accept a reasonable explanation for why in the name of science than I am for um, being able to accept a, you know, if we believe in science— and I say this for my side of the aisle, if we believe in science, then why were we not willing to trust it a year ago when, you know, people were saying, hey, we need to check out this lab? What was the reason? Are we just so politically polarized right now that if it was the idea of this party, it was, it's a great one. And if it's the idea of this party, it's a bad one. And once you've chosen your side, you're on a team and you have to stick with the tribe one way or the other. Is that what it was? And if so, how does that break? Unfortunately, I think that, I think you're right on that one. And, and when it comes down to, and I agree in science and I agree that I do know that they do have to develop things more importantly to find the cure before other people develop it. The problem is if this would have been documented on purpose to be made something like a COVID-19 was was documented and altered, it should have been publicly documented. So then we could have quickly said when it did accidentally or intentionally get out, we could have quickly known what it was, identified it, and knew, known the cure for it. That's where the suspicion is. Once again, it's that lack of transparency, and that's that lack of transparency on both sides of the aisle. And the second it became weaponized and you started using it to actually craft policies and to change policies, that's when you say, I just want to, I want to save you from something real quick. When you say weaponized, you mean, you mean when it became, when the messaging became weaponized, not when the virus itself became weaponized. You're not suggesting that someone use this as an attack on us. Right. Okay. I just want to make sure that was clear. So you didn't get in some trouble, girl. I didn't need a Google alert on you. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. No, when I said, I said politically, I said, you know, when it was used politically and weaponized. So that's, I put politically weaponized on it because that's what it became. It became a, and it was used to change policy and to craft policy. Some might be, might've been needed. Some where you could see were specifically going to be used to excuse either way. Um, on this case right here. And then so uh, the question is, it's like with every other issue that's being used to divide this country right now. Do people really want a solution for it, Clay? Or are there actually those that are in charge of this country right now on both sides of the aisle that actually use this? Like they use immigration. They use race relations. They use um, the, the, uh, the equal rights. All of those. They use those to motivate a certain base to charge them up. Therefore, a solution would actually work against them because if there was a solution to it, they would probably no longer be in office. No, I, listen, I don't, I don't disagree with you on that yeah. uh, completely, um, and we disagree on plenty of things, but let's move beyond COVID for a second and talk about some other ways that that same thing, type of thing happens, right? So we just today, um, I think, I think it was today, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was today, they all blend together for me now. Um, <laughs> the, the Republicans in the Senate stopped the, um, the commission, um, the bipartisan commission to study the attack. Um, at the Capitol building. Um, What do you think the reason behind that is? Like, why would they not want that? I think there's two ways of looking at it. Did what happened on January 6th, was that horrible? Was that actually a a horrible day for America? Definitely a horrible day for Republicans. Absolutely, 100%. 
And if they, but here, here's where I think the fallacy is going to it. If they wanted to truly, you know, the FBI is out there putting, you know, 300 people have been arrested. They're definitely pouring a lot into it. But with the questions that are still being answered from that day and the people who were actually in charge of the events that day that actually put that rally together, that did not have proper security, that either way did not let the, you know, let Washington, D.C. know it was going to happen. Any of that, those people are still being allowed to to walk. They haven't been brought up. They haven't been arrested. Those leaders are still actually doing fundraisers and not, and and are have their packs running. They don't want those folks. They don't actually want to hold the people accountable for being irresponsible. Who doesn't want to hold what, them accountable? And that that's the question for it. Is it the Republicans? Maybe. Is it the Democrats? Absolutely. Because I think if you, you don't think the Democrats the people, want to hold them accountable. Well, no, they want to hold the wrong people accountable. And that, that's what gets me. I am all for going and arresting the people that were in charge of who organized those rallies. I absolutely. But instead, I'm getting still fundraising emails from them. The Republicans have not said, listen, we want nothing to do with you and our party. You are troublemakers. You are irresponsible. And the events that you held that day is the reason why we're still having to deal with this right now. And it was taken away. Anything good that we were, we were accomplishing, any momentum we had after losing the election in November was blunted because of your stupidity, your ignorance, and your focus on money and saving it for your own pockets. But those people have not been touched. The Republicans have not held them accountable, and the Democrats, for some reason, also have not gone after them and arrested them. Instead, they're it going sounds like you're upset with the party. Are you upset with the part with your own party? I'm very. I mean, I'm well, upset I'm with upset mine with a lot, but <laughs> exactly, absolutely. That's part of my job. It's hard for me to go after somebody else's house when my house is still broken. And, and I hate to identify myself as a straight Republican. I, I am a ball and strike caller, regardless of both sides, and neither side's getting it right in this case. So, what happened with here, the Liz Cheney thing? Did that bother you? Um, I here's the problem with Liz Cheney. She was continuing, regardless of whether you think Donald Trump's going to run or should be elected in 2024, he is still the leader of the Republican Party. He is still the, the, the foremost person right now. So when you're out there publicly going after him from a donor perspective, the RNC, their biggest donors right now, were not going to contribute to them as long as she was running her mouth. That being said, I get the understanding that she wanted to say it on behalf of – she was doing no good for the party herself. She would have been better off because you know, her voting record is extremely conservative. Her voting record was more in line with Donald Trump's than, than Stephanie, right, who than the woman Steph is they yeah. put to replace her. And, and Republicans are just kind of blinding by that. They're just going, eh, it's okay. It's more about – it's showing that – the rhetoric and the PR campaign by a political party is more important than the actual voting that is going on within what the job that they're elected to do. So it's really and how does hard that make for, you feel for, as someone who's been oh, a pretty good Republican for a while? It's infuriating. It's absolutely infuriating. And that was the problem uh, with the, the June, the, the January 6th. Clay, like you've seen with rallies before. Just like with the Black Lives Matter after the marches, 98, 99% of them are peaceful. And these were good people. These were grandmothers. These were grandfathers. These were good people out there who just wanted to get together, who were upset after the loss of November. But these were good people. They were not harmful. They were not violent. And then just like all it takes is a few little fires going off and bad people, their emotions were played on and they were led to the charge. And that right there is where January 6th was, was showed just how uh, vulnerable and how, you know, it's hard for the conservatives and the right to sit there and go look at the left and say, look at how easy they can turn into sheep. Look at how much they just follow along and don't ask questions. When you see the events of January 6th and the people that actually went in there, how they feel justified in what they did. And that, that shows that on both sides, we have a problem. So, but, so when you, when you say that, 
I mean, I, I understand the politics of what you're talking about when you talk about Liz Cheney, and you're right. You know, she was not certainly not helping them raise money from the base that the that Kevin McCarthy and some of those folks believe is necessary for them to win back the House, right, in a year and a half. But from the perspective of how that makes the Republican Party look um, and what it allows, how it allows the Republican Party to be defined from here on out. Um, was it the right thing still for the party to do to essentially, they didn't abolish her, they didn't cancel her, but they did extricate her from leadership and say, this is not, do you not think that the party said, this is not who we are? We are not what Liz Cheney says? And that's it. It's the words. It's the rhetoric. And that was within the party. That is the problem. That's what the Republican Party is going to have to face right now. But I do believe there's a lot of good people within this party that can have legitimate and, and uh, earnest and genuine talk and actions. We can have somebody who can both vote right and speak right as well. And, and it's not wrong in calling out Trump. Like I said, I'm going to call out a lot of the things he did over this past year in handling the coronavirus. I'm going to do a you know, and I have no problem doing that. But that being said, uh, I think that we should be able to have that freedom. And if you become so much of a sheeple that you say, nope, you can't even call out a member of your own party, if you become that right there is, I think, what leads to dictatorships and problems um, down the road for any country. Do you think that the that the Republicans in the House right now, I specify the House because their districts are not nearly as broad as, you know, Senate full statewide districts. So the the, the Republicans in the House, do you think that they are an accurate representation of the majority of the Republican electorate of the 215 Republicans in the House right now, or 19 or whatever it is, do you think that they are a, a good, accurate cross-section of the Republicans in America, or do you think that they are either more moderate or more extreme than the majority of folks? Uh, well, that, but that's how America is. There is a moderate, and it's on both sides. There's a moderate, there's an extreme, and there's just the middle ground folks um, that just want to do their jobs. Yeah, but so um, who are the folks in, America, in the America. House, though? Are they the extreme folks, or are they the, or are they just as, or do they represent the Republicans in the country? I think they represent. I think it's across the board. It depends on you know. You look at someone like a Marjorie Taylor Greene that is hated, but she's also beloved. But then you look at at an Alexandria Cortez, and she's either loved or hated by her own party. I put those two kind of in the same. There are places in our country for people that follow both. Um, but and, both and of I, those I, I people, those. both of those examples you gave, right? One in incredibly red or incredibly blue districts that didn't really have a general election, right? They as long as AOC beat the incumbent in in the Bronx, she was gonna get that seat. And as long as Marjorie Taylor Greene beat the opponent in her Republican primary, she was gonna get that seat. Right. So, does that not mean that a lot of these folks aren't even because of the way their districts are drawn, they're not even really trying to appeal to any of the moderates? Do we find ourselves with Democrats who are just trying to appeal to the most liberal of the party and Republicans who are just trying to appeal to the most conservative of the party? And doesn't that mean that our, I mean, to me, it makes it seem like our Congress, both sides of the aisle, might end up being more extreme than the folks who are, you know, they're serving or supposed to be serving. 
Well, but there are how many final members at 435 members of the House? There's still 433 other members of the House that do that broad spring. And I think that that is the good thing is we know those two names, but we might not know the other, you know, the several hundred members of the parties at the other names because those guys are just doing their job. Now, the question is, as Americans, do we want entertainers in the House or do we want people that actually get to work and do their job, which is what comes down to my issue with the January 6th? Well, yes investigate it. Make sure that we're looking at all the video that are out there. Make sure that we're looking at what, how much Capitol Police are involved. Hold the right people accountable for it. But don't put so much time and effort, more time and effort into that obsession, into that, because that's usually, that's the only goal of that, unfortunately, is just to take out the Republicans. Let's just call it for what it is. There, it's not about, just like, you know, the Republicans... Even though I think there was a justification, but I would—I mean, some people would—some people would argue that I mean, the commission itself, the based on what they voted or they filibustered today, was to be an equal commission where both sides had equal subpoena power and no one could subpoena anyone or without bipartisan support. By getting rid of that commission, now it's left only to the normal committees in the Senate and the House, which are led by Democrats. So, I mean, by blocking it, Republicans actually sort of kind of tied their own hands. They don't have subpoena power in the Senate. They don't have subpoena power in the, in the committees in the House. They would have had they had the bipartisan commission are they just trying to set it up so they can say that this was a Democrat-led commission? This, this was a, these were Democrat-led investigations? And that might be the setup of it, but the reality of it is, Clay, with everything going on in America today and everything going on in the world today, any time being invested in this right now is literally seeing, especially considering how much has already been put into it, is literally I, the average Americans looking at it and going, this is a waste of taxpayer dollars. Why don't you work on getting us back to work, getting our country open, getting us safer, getting us the health care we need? All of those things that are not getting accomplished in Congress today, but you're going to continue to put more and more focus on this and keep this as in the headlines. The average America, especially outside of the Beltway, outside of the pundits, this has zero effect on their daily lives. This has okay, nothing to do with them. And I'll so give you that. let's get our job done. And this, you know what? If you solve all the problems in America today, if you address every issue that got you elected and put in that office, great. Then you can go have this commission. Then you can continue to study. But at this point, we know enough to know how to prevent it in the future. We know enough how to make sure that our the Capitol Police know when to have the rally, you know, what rallies to allow, what not to allow, to have the right. Well, I hope we, we know. I enough. hope we know how to to prevent it in the future. But I will give you at the very least. I don't know if I can give you all of it, but I'll give you the fact that yes, there are some issues that are more pressing, and you mentioned quite a few of them: um, getting people back to work, getting the economy going, healthcare, etc. Um, where? Where do you stand on how the Biden administration has done that so far? The the stimulus package, the stimulus bill that came out of his, the first few weeks of his uh, administration was, you know, turned out to be passed on a pretty equally, completely partisan line, right? Democrats, Kamala Harris broke the tie for that. Um, most Republicans voted against it. Um, and then... I think the same thing in the House. It was a pretty partisan vote there as well. Uh, but now, I guess Joe Biden, the president, yesterday was in Ohio uh, kind of giving shit to Republicans for going back to their districts and taking credit for some of the things that happened in it. Um, do you think that that those people who are taking credit for it should have voted for it in the first place? 
Um, I think nobody should take credit for this one. In fact, if I was a Republican or a Democrat, I was run as far away from this as you can. Six trillion dollars, really? Clay. No, no, no. And I'm not talking about the new one. I'm talking about the old one. Not the not the but one he's proposed. The old, even the old stimulus one. And then I agree. Writing down like, here's the problem, Clay. And this is something that I would hope you and I could agree on. If this was legitimately about giving the much needed relief to those small businesses that have had to shut their doors, to those fa families that need the, the insurance to pay for continued health care. If it was legitimately about helping out Americans after this last year, it should have been a clean bill. It should have been a simple one to two page with a line item like you and I handle our household. This goes for this, this goes for this, and those checks should be printed the next day. And yet, we saw everybody throw in all of these projects that have nothing to do with it. And all of these rules and all of these, why can they not do a clean bill on something so important right now as actual suffering that's happening daily because of the decisions they've made this past year? Some people would argue, and I'm not, I mean, I didn't read the whole thing. You might have. Um, I didn't read the whole it. thing. You can't. Well, no, you right. Can't. But I know that part of the, some of the parts that I read had a lot to do with making sure that there was not fraud and that people who didn't need to get some of the things, because the first round last year in 2020, um, a lot of companies that really didn't need to be taking PPP uh, loans took them. And so I know that the second time around, there was a lot more work done to make sure it was strict, was restricted or targeted more closely. I know Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema were Democrats who actually held out for those types of things. So some of the stuff is a little bit more targeted. I think you're talking about some of the pork earmark type stuff that was that was put in. Um, but I think a lot of folks who voted for the bill would argue that a lot of that took a, took up five percent of the total, almost two trillion, right? Well, no, actually, I think it's the reverse. I think it's actual money that goes to help everyday average Americans that did not involve projects that had not been proposed before and struck down out of previous budgets. Um, I think it's actually, I think it's like three to 5% actually go to Americans to help them. Well, and, I guess it depends on how you, it depends on how you define it because some of them did look like things that were going for roads and whatnot, but they were going for roads that were to be used for people's jobs, right? I mean, they not everything just went to people's pockets. They weren't checks that just got written and sent out to Scotty Nell Hughes and all of her neighbors and everybody who we knew. Um, they went for programs that would hopefully, you know, infrastructure and, and yeah. money that and goes that to certain businesses gives people jobs, right? Put that infrastructure then in what they just released in the six trillion bill that was just released. This, those emergency stimulus funds were supposed to go for one reason, one reason only: to keep our economy afloat and to give much, much needed relief to those businesses and individuals that were suffering because they could not work and they could not open their doors. That is an emergency relief bill, not building a road. Which, by the way, even if it was passed three months ago, I guarantee not a single person has been hired to build a road based off of that stimulus package. We're not going to see those roads be built for another year, two years, if that. You know how it works in the bureaucracy. So therefore, why even try to put it in there except you know that money's already appropriated over there? And that's what makes me angry. Neither, neither side, and this falls on the Republicans last year, Democrats this year. If you really cared about, and, and by the way, Clay, how many of your friends, I, I can tell you personally of my friends, were very happy to see that added check show up in their bank account? We're very oh, happy to see because they no needed it. No one's going to turn down a check. <laughs> well, no, but they need A lot of them actually very much needed it at that time because they had suffered through. That is emergency relief to me. 
But then I had a lot of people that also, it took them jumping through hoops and staying on top of the to even get their check. So some people got it, some people didn't um, in the system for weeks when they needed it. That's what I consider worth being an emergency relief bill. Not building a road in an area, which by the way, had been tried to be passed for years and couldn't get passed in a budget, not pushing it through under that same name. That was my same issue, in, and not to tie it back to how we started, with the vaccine. That is where I think that hesitancy is coming from. You know, Moderna, prior to this vaccine, every other thing that they had proposed had been struck down, could not get past the FDA. This is the only one, the first one since 2011, since the company started, that has been passed through, approved by the government, and was approved through on an emergency way. I got Pfizer, so I can say, and I was going to get Pfizer because of the Oh, what are you like saying? That, I got majority. Moderna. Am I going to, do you think I'm going to catch some sort of scurvy or something? Well, on TikTok, they're saying Moderna makes your boobs grow smaller. So I don't know. It's your call. Pfizer makes well, them go bigger. Moderna goes I'd smaller. I'd be that, okay with that mine TikTok being doctors. smaller. <laughs> that's TikTok doctors. But, the, but, but the, it was things like that that I think where hesitancy comes from. But once again, we really need to look at when it comes to these emergency passages, what is actually for going to directly affect the people? And if it's not immediately, then let's go make it go through the standard process that we make our rules and laws we set up for. I got to say, I got to say, I feel like if, if, Democrats, I mean, maybe I'm speculating wrongly, but I don't think so. I feel like if Democrats had said, let's just take this money and put it in checks and send it to everyone, that it would have gotten a lot of pushback as being a handout. Um, and so some of the ways that it was, it was distributed to go to businesses so that they could reopen, to go to restaurants, so that they, to go to um, farms so that they could provide food for less expensive to the restaurants that were um, struggling already. I mean, some of these things get to people in different ways. And typically that has been the type of thing that Republicans have wanted to do. They've not necessarily wanted to give money um, directly to people. They've wanted to kind of give it to businesses, right? Um, so, I mean, think about, we talk about infrastructure. That was something that Republicans wanted to do for four years under, under President Trump, or at least President Trump said he wanted to do it. And now there's, there is pushback. I mean, we're, when Biden suggests that he wants to do an infrastructure package, is it just, and I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that Democrats don't do the same shit too, um, but we're not in a situation where they are doing it right now because they're in charge of both branches. So is it not right now a, an example of Republicans just saying no to things that they would have voted for under, uh, are we just, I guess what I'm asking is, are we just so interested in winning and being in power that we actually don't give a shit if anything productive gets done? Because if someone has a good idea and they're not on our team, we're just going to trash it? Well, and that's it. It's the claiming of it. And that, that's who gets to claim victory on it. And we saw both. And I think that's another reason why we're having the problems today, because for four years with this idea of Russian collusion and Russian interference in the 2016 election, that being a narrative that was just rehashed, rehashed, rehashed and pushed forward by the Democrats. So now when you come back and you try in 20, you know, you talk about the voter irregularities in the 2020 election and voter fraud happening, it's, it's it, that just shows right there. It's like, OK, it's karma. We're going to continue in this hamster wheel because you can't. It's hard for them to point fingers and say, oh, but look at this, when they did the same thing the last four years. And that's what you're seeing. And Nobody it's not remembers about, those, Scotty, now. It's the politics. <laughs> Nobody well, remembers. And that's, 
But when you look at that, well, they say that, but unfortunately I think people do. And that's why people kind of just say, you know what, forget, I'm not even going to bother with it. That's not affecting my daily life. When it comes to the $6 trillion you know, bill, as well as on top of the other money that's been said, I actually think it probably would have been more cost effective um, if we would have actually issued those checks directly through a well-vetted process to businesses, but also individuals, we probably would have saved money and that would have kept out all of the museums and all of the little pet projects that we saw put in uh, via, you know, both sides of the parties when they got that chance under the emergency uh, stimulus bills that they passed. Do you think our government would work better if we did ours like the UK? I said, I, this is a random question. I know my producer's yeah, going, that's Where interesting. is this on the list of what we're <laughs> supposed to ask? It's nowhere. But I was thinking here, some, I heard someone ask it the other day, because obviously in the UK and a lot of countries where they got parliamentary systems, once a party is in control, they're in control. Like there's no, you've got the right, currently the conservatives are in charge in the UK. When Labour was in charge, they were in charge. But they run the show. And it does provide or end up resulting in some pretty big swings where when conservatives are in charge for a while, they make some big changes and then they, you know, they, after a, few, right. a decade or so, they lose power and the liberals come in and change it all over again. But things get done and sometimes they are more extreme on one side or the other. But our system is almost built, some would argue, to get as little done as possible, the checks and balances whole system where you know, the filibuster itself sort of prevents the majority from ruling um, as long as the minority has at least 40 votes. Would we be better served if we didn't have all those checks and balances in that way and whoever was the ruling party could just make the decisions for their term? Oh, talk about political whiplash. I think that's what every Briton gets every time. It's like we go left, right, left, right, left, right. No, actually, I think our system is exactly how it's supposed to be as much as it's, it definitely drives me nuts. And I don't think our system is broken because what it does, remember what our country was founded, it was more about keeping the power at the states. They did not want a big central government overviewing because they realized there was a difference, just like we see. There is a difference between a lifestyle and a life that is wanted in a, in a, a state like Mississippi or Louisiana than what you see in New York or Illinois or, or California. There is a difference and every region should be able to make those decisions for themselves. It's all about personal responsibility. And so, yes, but yes, those, it seems those like things places are getting might done. have the same type of system. I mean, those individual states might have their own parliamentary system. But too, it's right? on a but, small, but it's yeah. on a, it's on a smaller way. And you know what? It works for the state. And if it doesn't work for that state, then it's up to that state to change it or reform it or their citizens get out and move to other areas. Uh, that's why I think it does work for us because we do want to culture. You remember, we were, we were formed to be a country of diversity and where everybody could have some, some, well, I'm saying it formed initially, but the thought would be that we could put as many possible could live here and live together. And the only way you're going to do that is by not creating one big broad stroke that the people from California are the same as those that are in North Carolina. You, you can't do it. And so in order to do that, you have to give more power back to those local state governments to make their decisions. And if it's the right decision, it works. Hopefully that grows across the country. And then possibly you might see, I love to see when law starts as a small, uh, one state does it and it works well for that state that other states grow into and they decide that it would work for them as well. That's how I think it was supposed to be set up. And I think that's why when things don't get done up here, that might be a good deal. I just wish we could actually 
take their their uh, funding away from. I think that Congress, when they don't do their job, that they actually don't get their paycheck. I, that's the only job that I would like <laughs> That would be, that would might be the only thing that would light a fire under their asses, but who would get to decide whether they'd done it or not, you know? I mean, we can't agree on anything. So who gets to decide well, whether or not people, they get their check? Their voters should, but it's kind of like asking for term limits. Let me ask you this, Clay. Do you believe in term limits? Do you think term limits would help our country? I would... I would personally, now that we're flipping the script here and letting you ask me questions, um, I personally always thought, I always, no, I'm not, but I always personally thought that they were a good idea until I, re- until I ran for Congress and I realized, holy crap, the number of powerful lobbyists who are really kind of making the laws and writing the laws is, and so I would be in support of term limits if and only if we reformed some of the other stuff first so that those folks who because my concern is that if you get if you have term limits then the people who up there in dc or anywhere who have the power are the ones who've who are lobbyists who've been there for so long that they can and everybody's new so i like the idea of them and i know it's a great bumper sticker thing but we got to fix some other shit first and then i could get on board with term limits but doing that as a solution is to me sort of short-sighted because i think we would be got to be careful what you wish for you'd end up with people who are up there who had who still were trying to find the bathrooms by the time they had to be voted out, you know? Um, Yeah, that's kind of where I stand on that. I want to jump over because we actually got some really, I mean, we always get good questions, but we had some very interesting questions specifically for you that came in from listeners this week. And I normally only do about two, but I want to get to a few more of these Um, (laughs) uh, because there's some very interesting ones. Tyra from Baltimore asks, many say Trump was responsible for such a vast, I'm sorry, many say that Trump was responsible for such a fast vaccine rollout. So why do his supporters seem to be the most skeptical? And that's where I think the issue comes from. You can't get, you can't have your cookies and eat it too. Um, in this case, uh, the there's going to be skeptical of anything. And that just shows where Republicans will question even their own, uh, possibly more than Democrats might. I don't want to make that partisan. Uh, We generally, Republicans don't trust the government, don't trust anything coming from the government, even if it's their person at the head of it. So I am all for questioning uh, in this case. And I think that, you know, and this just showed that maybe they weren't so, it's not so much a Trump party as uh, Trump made it to believe. And I think a lot of people lost their faith in Trump as they watched his leadership style over the past few, you know, during his last year. Okay, I want to keep, I would love to follow up on that, but I know that since we're friends, you'll come back someday and we can keep doing this more. Um, So I'll ask you this one instead. Paul from Austin, Texas asks, is China, Russia, or our own leadership the biggest risk to our country? Wow, that's interesting because that was actually a question that a lot of um, the 150 generals and admirals that came out, retired generals and admirals that came out against Biden issued the letter. That was what they said. Um, Actually, I think it is our own leadership. Um, I I think America is great. I think we have an amazing group of people, and and I can give you the patriotic speech that goes with it. However, I think we do have several several, issues. people with bad intentions, with their own intentions that they would put above our what is good for our country um, in leadership Who? right now on Name both them, sides of girl. the aisle. Name them. <laughs> well, like I said, <laughs> I, you look at those people that have, you know, people that have gone into office and they've made millions while in office or their families make millions. That's not an agenda that's for the betterment of the country. Wait, Anybody people making right now millions takes- while they're in office? I should I should have run harder. 
Yeah, you should have gotten Hunter Harder. Now, well, you look at people like you know Nancy Pelosi, and uh, you look at you know you look at lots. Of, there's several. Her husband's rich, no, not her. Well, I guess okay. Oh, she got her money from them. Anyway, okay. So you think it's uh, our own leadership? Um, let me ask I, you I this. I think it's I'm our sorry. own leadership. Yes. I want to keep going because there's some really good ones, and I know I, I know you're gonna have an answer to this one. Ben from Newark, New Jersey says, "Is forcing cancel culture to go both ways easier than fighting it?" God, I love that question, uh, no, Ben, whoever you are. That's a great question. Yeah, that's a really good one because, you know, does cancel culture even need to exist? And yeah, you know, I'm one of those people that I don't believe um, that putting out their hate speech against a race or a, a sexual preference or against a super uh, something that's on the surface is wrong. I don't I, that is a First Amendment. You know, you have the First Amendment right to say it doesn't mean you should say it. And if you say it, then you suffer the consequences. But is it that's that easy, though? Is that really what we're doing here? We're not really necessarily canceling people because they have blatant, um, blatantly offensive language. We're canceling people on top of it more so for, I mean, for things that shouldn't be, I mean, again, I have an opinion. Everybody who listens to this knows I have an opinion. But, I mean, you, you use the term sexual preference. Doesn't bother me. I've known you for a long-ass time. I know where your heart is. But you'd be canceled for that in a lot of quarters because you said preference instead of orientation. And it's not a people, some people would argue, it's not a preference. It's how I was born. I mean, I, again, I think that's crazy nonsense personally, but I know those types of things happen. And so if we can't beat that type of thing, is the solution, I guess what Ben is asking, is the solution just to be make sure that we cancel in both directions instead of <laughs> see if we can't well, stop okay, it? So here's the deal. Is what I want, I want to see cancel culture happen, but I want it to be organized by the person, not by a business or a government. Cancel culture okay. should happen because if I came out and said something hateful, then you should not you should not support me or what I do, and that should be on the individuals. If I say something, th those need to be canceled. But I do not want to see organized cancel culture. I do not want to see mob attacked, mob organized, funded th through a government or through an organization going after for and especially along political lines. That I think is what is wrong. I think that's what is what hurts the First Amendment. But if it's because someone gets out there and says something that is so hateful, and so then I should have the right to cancel them in my own life. And that's what that's what I think where I think that should be okay. Don't you think though that some people say that I mean corporations, I hate to use this phrase because I hate it, but corporations are people and therefore they should they have the same rights to do that? I mean, is a in a free market capitalist society doesn't Pepsi have the right to fire or not advertise or not bring their business to wherever they want to not bring their business to for whatever reason? I'm being I'm if playing they can show me, If they can show me that every member of the Pepsi Corporation, every employee that works there thinks exactly like they think, then absolutely. But I probably pretty much can guarantee uh, that they don't. And so what you have is a board of governors that mainly Pepsi, I think, would stay out of a lot of the issues they get themselves into, just like the airlines, if they weren't put on the pressure that if I don't say it, then I'm going to be canceled. That's that fear threat, that if I don't speak out against it, then they're going to come after me next, even if it has nothing to do with me. That's the problem with it. Okay. Um, Josh from Phoenix, Arizona wants to know, is Ron DeSantis our next Republican presidential nominee? You can answer that however you want to. Do you have an idea for who you think it might be if it's, if it's not uh, former President Trump? 
Well, I think the question is, you know, I, former President Trump has to let somebody else actually have a chance at it and not continue to have like, you know, the come to down, you know, uh, the, the come, I'm going to cut off your Pardon my language, your proverbial balls if you try to run against me. Those conversations at Mar-a-Lago need to stop because they're not good. Um, I think Ron DeSantis Is that what's has, happening? Or pe- is he telling people he wants to run? Well, I, yeah, I think that – or his people are telling people that he wants to run. He, you know, Obviously, he's got an ax you know, to grind. Uh, but the problem with all of this is, is there's you – know, people – Want the one thing that they did not like about Trump was how he approached everything, his tact. Call it a New York's tact, call it a elite tact, whatever you want to say, it just was not there. What Ron DeSantis offers is that same courage, that same sort of balls to the wall attitude that Trump would do, but he does in a very much better diplomatic fashion in his presentation. He also has, you know, the military experience. He also has had to to govern. He knows how government works. Trump's biggest downfall was he was expecting the U.S. government to work like a Trump organization business. And the fact that when he said it as the CEO, that he was one, everybody was there for the same intentions of making making a successful product to making it a successful, you know, goal that everybody was united and the U.S. government and government is not. And he learned very quickly. That that people were there for his own agenda and he was following advice for people thinking he was getting the truth and he never was. It was for their own intentions. Ron DeSantis is not going to come in there that naive. He's going to know how dirty politics can be, how dirty government is going to be. And so I think the best hope Republicans have right now is Ron DeSantis. But the key is, is you're going to have to have the, the former Trump people get on board with that and stop think, having this idea that Trump is going to be the only candidate and everybody else just needed to back off. Do you think, just hypothetically, if Trump were to, I won't ask you if you think he's going to run, because who the hell knows what's he's going on in his head. If Trump were to, to run and presume that Biden were to run for a second term, and we had essentially a repeat of, of 2020, do you think that Trump would have um, a chance to win against Biden in a scenario like that? I think if the election was held today, or more importantly, two weeks ago, when people were waiting in line for gas... Um, and there was that fear that we were going to all run out of gas and school was going to continue to be canceled. All that I, I think there would any Republican would have a good chance against the Democrats. It depends on how life is in the economy. I wish I had a crystal ball to look how life was going to be in four years. But it depends on how good the economy, the economy and how people every day feel about themselves. Right now, they're not feeling Well, Biden's approval ratings are pretty good, right? I mean, his approval According ratings are in the 60s. It, According to who you want to watch, but also recognize that is Biden. Uh, that's not, you know, that that's for him right now, not necessarily for right. But he's the one running, right? He's the one. He's the one running, right? But let me tell you, whatever embracing there is for Biden, that doesn't necessarily mean that same embracement is for Kamala Harris. And I and I think right now people are going to if Biden even does not run again, that's another issue. I will tell you, I'm the strongest defender of Joe Biden right now that you have ever met. I will defend Joe Biden, make sure he stays in the White House, because I think that he is 100 times better than what a Kamala Harris administration would look like. That one is just as scared as I was of Hillary Clinton. And I think that that, right there. Isn't it weird, though, that if you have to, if you have to, not you attack, but, but if folks have to be afraid of Kamala Harris, then, I mean, that sounds to me like, there's nothing about Biden that people can come after, or at least nothing that sticks. He sort of is the same Teflon Joe um, with a lot of folks that, that Donald Trump was with his base, and it's not working, so we got to look for something else to hit him on. Oh, let's, be, let's scare people for Kamala Harris, which, you know, uh, we could have the debate at some point about whether or not maybe she 
is less appealing to some folks for whatever reason, but she's not the one running. And assume, presume, I guess my, my thought, the reason, the question I wanted to get to was presume that Biden were to run against Trump. In my mind, I think it'd be very difficult, again, biased, very difficult to have four years of Donald Trump, have America say, we don't want any more of this, then have four years of Joe Biden, who is quite polar opposite of Trump in many ways, not just policy-wise, but demeanor-wise, and then ask people again, which would you rather have? Four more years of this sort of quiet, boring progressivism or another four years of what you got rid of? Um, I don't think people would, I just don't believe America would say, you know what, we prefer the circus that we had between 2016 and 2020. And so the question I want to get your thought on is, Assume Trump doesn't run, and whoever runs as the Republican nominee is the person who was anointed by him, is the person who got the Trump seal of approval. Does that hurt that nominee just as no. much if you don't think so? Well, let me, let me correct you one thing. Um, I would much rather take several mean tweets, and trust me, there was mornings I got up and went, what the hell did he say last night? Over the fact that I'm now paying two dollars, almost two dollars more for gas today than I was a year ago. Over the fact that I can't find a car right now because the automobile lots are down. That I can't buy a house or build a house or even put. It's going to cost me twenty thousand dollars more to build my back deck this summer. The fact right now of how our economy is and how people are, and you can't blame it on the coronavirus because these are things that are happening because of policies that are being put in place in the last. Well, four the gas you can't blame on the Biden administration. The gas where you are and where I am. North Carolina is because a Russian hack shut down the 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 colonial pipeline, right? Hold so on, that hold was on, not wait a, a minute. Let's get, but that's see, that's where that's the twist of it. They didn't, you know, and that's where the misinformation is being allowed, and Republicans aren't doing enough stuff. They didn't shut down the pipeline. The pipeline was still flowing. It was the hacks, which, by the way, weren't Russian. They were actually a former Soviet state. But they will get into geography down the road. Um, that they actually shut down the billing system. So if it wasn't that there wasn't oil flowing, it was that- Well, they, they shut down the billing the system filter. and then Colonial said, holy shit, someone hacked into our business. We should shut this and down some, to no, protect said, ourselves, we right? We don't know who to send the bill to for the gas. And at that point, I've got 601 Pennsylvania and I've got Congress. Send the bill to that, keep the gas flowing, keep kids from missing another day of school, which several districts had to shut their schools down for it. That's in the case where the federal government could have stepped in and said, no, Keep it flowing. Send us the bill. We'll, we'll girl, figure it just, out later. Girl, you just told me you wanted the federal government to stop telling states what to do. If the local system wants to shut down, if if the local school system wants to shut down. But this was something that actually went across state lines. This is where the federal government is invited to step in. When you have something like this that is shown to, to impact several states, multiple states, a whole region, that's where the federal government should step in and say, no, keep it flowing. Send us the bill. We'll figure it out later. But that that was once again where the Republicans failed on handling what was happening and the failed leadership under the Biden administration to prevent that 11 days of gas shortage and the prices that go up. But I, you know, going back to it, you're good. Whoever the Republican candidates, yes, they are going to have to have the blessing of Trump in order to run. Uh, that is going to be, you know, because you're going to need that base, that engagement, the base that added in with the same frustrations that I'm telling you. You might say the polls are saying this, but the frustrations in everyday America at, the, at what they're seeing. Add that in four years. It's probably going to be higher than what we saw in 2015, which got Trump elected in the first place. 
And if you bring in somebody like a Ron DeSantis and can put a smile on his face while he's saying it and knows not to send out mean tweets, that's going to be a real force to be reckoned with. Okay. Um, I will, we won't, we won't make our dinner bet um, yet. We'll wait and save <laughs> it for until, until 2020, uh, th- 2024. Um, Chris from San Diego, California says, other than paying taxes, is there anything that still unites us? Um, yes, I, I do. I think it's actually a good, I think the majority of Americans just want the same thing, to be able to provide for themselves, for their families, for their community, and to leave this place, leave this country, this area that we live in, in a better place than what we came in for future generations. That sounds like a Hallmark card. I get it, Clay. Roll your eyes. But I No, I wouldn't roll my eyes at it. I was, no, I, no, I, no, I, no, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think we have the. I think we all have good intentions. Hence, why you and I, who disagree on so much, can actually get together. Because I know, Craig, you want America to be better. You want our world to be a better place for all. Same thing I want. We just have different ways of getting there, and we just yes, see we enemies do. as being different. <laughs> and that's well, good. But, but don't we? I mean, we don't have a lot of. I mean, I get attacked, and I'm sure you do as well. But I get attacked a lot for daring to to. Uh, somebody a few weeks ago said, "With the, stop it with the both both sidesism." I'm like, listen, I'm not agreeing with much that Scotty said. Although I will give you mad props for blaming Trump for this Corona thing, but um, <laughs> but I I don't agree with much that you say. But I also think that my party, and I think your party also, have really started living so much in these bubbles that we, I mean we don't even listen. I'm not, you might on a rare occasion make me think about something in a different way. And I might on a rare occasion make you think about something in a different way. And that's, but I'm not talking to you to try to change your mind. And I don't think when I speak with you, you're trying to change my mind sometimes. But I think a lot of times people just want to be listened to. And, and, you know, occasionally, I think we find that, you know, the other side is human. And I may think you're wrong on a lot, but I don't think that you're poorly motivated. You know, I don't think that you're ill motivated to try to hurt others, you know. And I think that we have gotten to a point in this country where if people don't agree with us, we assume immediately that they just want to harm anyone who's different than them and they hate anyone who's different than them. And I think that's, uh, that's disappointing. And that's why we do this show because I'd like for folks to be able to get along. Now talk about a Hallmark card girl. (laughs) I mean, that's what it is, but I got to ask you before we let you go, how the heck are we going to get along? Hmm. This is the best way to look at it. Let's just say we both, let's say we were, we were both hungry. And it came down to it. We both needed to eat and we needed to grow a garden. And you said that, and we had two seeds and you said, I want to put this type of fertilizer. And I said, well, I just want to use dirt. And we said, and we both did it in the end, we're going to produce something for you and I to eat. I hope, even though we probably both have black thumbs, it doesn't matter how we grow that food. The end result is we're both going to be nourished. And I think that is, and I can look at you and say, you know what? I know might not, that's not what I'm going to choose to do but it's going to, it, it might work. And you're going to look at me and say, it might, it's not how I choose to do it, but it might work. I think when we look at the end result of what we want, that's how we're going to get along. I think we all have that. And that's how, that's how I get along with Democrats so well. I like to think I, I actually get along with them uh, very well because I know the ones that have good hearts, the good intentions, just like I hope they know mine. We all want the same thing. We just have different ways of getting there. But if we can focus on that end result, whatever that is, 
and whatever that whatever we're talking about, what topic that is, then let's work from the solution. Let's work from the problem on back, and I think that will get us back to where we are today. And be humble. That's the other thing. We're going to get along because I'm going to say I'm not right. I know that I don't have everything right. And if I can talk to somebody and say, you know what, I know I don't have everything right either. So let's figure out how the best of both sides and where we're getting it wrong. And we've got to be able to be open to that conversation.